Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to the latest episode of the Keegan Odyssey, the never-ending, ongoing saga of Kevin Keegan's autobiography, Electric Kevin, available in all good bookshops, etc., etc. Um, there's an audio book as well, but um, we wouldn't recommend that. We recommend you listen to our podcasts if you're going to read along I do with have it. the audio book. Yeah, but it's not Kevin doing the, the audio, is it? It's, it's an it's actor. It's not Kevin. He's on, he's on it at the beginning. Yeah. And he says, Electric Kevin here. I didn't have time to read out the old book. I've got a busy schedule of driving around places that used to be stadiums I scored in. So I've got I've got an actor to do it. Here he is. Anyway, ta Oh, but remember, stay listening to the end when I do an exclusive Q&A. I haven't gone to the exclusive Q&A Ooh, yet. I might. That could be some bonus material on this podcast. What we could do is, at the end of the book, we'll then do a deep dive into his exclusive audiobook Q&A. Yeah, that'd be good. Just another, one episode. No, just another 19 episodes or so. Well, we're up to a, a, a very uh, significant part of his life and his story. It's chapter nine, and it's called We're in Heaven. And uh, <laughs> he says, St. James's Park dominates the Newcastle skyline like a medieval castle. Beneath it, it can feel like every other person is wearing a black and white shirt. Even when the stadium was a lot more dilapidated than the shiny modern ground we see now, there was something about the place that held my fascination. It felt like home, and right from the start there was an incredible sense of belonging, the feeling that I was coming back to my roots. Kevin Keegan has signed for Newcastle United in August 1982. And this was, this wow. was a massive, massive thing at the time. It was a fucking weird thing because, you know, he'd just been top scorer with Southampton. He'd uh, just almost... Got England through to the semis of the World Cup. Mm. Uh, he was he was still box office, but he was dropping down a league to go to Newcastle. What for younger listeners? Explain what it the equivalent would be like now. The equivalent now would be someone like you know when, I'm trying to think of an when, equivalent. When when um, Rooney was at the end of his United career. Still playing for him, still captain of England and United, yeah. but you know knew he was winding down at United. Had suddenly dropped into yeah division the championship to play for Norwich. Maybe yeah, I mean Newcastle weren't a big deal that much at the time. You look back, I mean, Sunderland fans like to talk about how pre Keegan they were getting averages of about twelve thousand in. And it wasn't yeah. the cathedral that everyone talks about now because um, yeah. they were in a bit of a decline, a bit of a slump. But it, that just would changed you say overnight. that in those days it would have been incorrect for people to say they love their football up in this part of the world? I don't think it was talked about very much, to be quite honest. No, <laughs> they tolerate their football. They live and breathe it. No, it wasn't. These I mean, simple folk. 
Yeah. How they love their football in this part of the world is something that obviously we've talked about a lot Mm -hmm. on all of our podcasts, the different strands of this podcast. But what we haven't talked about that much is how it's actually quite patronising, isn't it? In a weird way. I suppose it is, yeah, but... Um, the the because uh, it's like they're simple. They're simple. They're not like us in the metropolitan areas with our arts well, and our culture and our intellectualism. These yeah. simple f- folk from northern industrial towns yeah. are just like you know, put them in front of some men kicking a ball of air around, <laughs> and they that's all they require all they out need. of their existence. Yeah, yeah. Well, there aren't many alternatives. You know, we don't have the cultural landscape that you have in London. You know, we've got your much pigeons else going on. There's the pigeons, you've your, yeah. You've got your pigeons. We've got ratting. Got your, yeah, you've got your ratting, your pigeon fan flying. Yeah. And I suppose you've got some pub sports. Yeah, there's lots of that, yeah. Pub sports that, you know, shove hipney, dominoes, mm. uh, all that kind of thing. Indoor league, that show yeah. from the 1970s, it's kind of still a bit like that in the pubs. The other thing you've got is, like, whereas we've got, here in London, galleries mm. like you know the National Portrait Gallery or the mm. Tate or the Tate Modern or any of these other things, you've got fags, haven't you? So, yeah. I was I was looking when I was down in London recently. I was looking at the National Portrait Gallery. They've currently got an exhibition on by Martin Parr, who's that oh, photographer yeah. who takes um, photographs of real people. I find that quite patronising yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, I was I was at the beach at Seaburn near where I live on Saturday yeah. and I saw uh, I saw a fat woman eating an ice cream yeah. and I thought oh that saved me 19 quid on that Martin Parr exhibition I thought about going to see <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> Martin Parr and if you go to the National Portrait like a museum right the gallery it will be all it, what's horrible about Martin Parr I mean you know I'm sure he's a nice guy and some of his photos are very compelling right but there is something about a gallery in London being filled of largely middle-class <laughs> yeah. university-educated people looking and marvelling at pictures of... It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I as you know, I spend at least a third of my year on the beach in Shanklin in the Isle of Wight. Yeah. And I could fucking, without looking, point my camera phone in any direction and get a picture that's like a Martin Parr picture, right? It's a couple of people like, chips on a bench. It's people... Yeah, exactly. It's people going... To an exhibition, it's middle-class people going and gawping in wonderment at pictures of working-class people. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's like like they were animals in it. Look at this. It's like going to a wildlife exhibition at the Natural History yeah. Museum. <laughs> ooh, ooh, a, look, look at that one. That one's got an Iceland carrier bag and a little carrier bag. Oh, yeah. what wonders must be inside those bags, I wonder. There's an old man with large purple and swelled calves. He must have gout. He must have gout and he's wearing a sun hat. <laughs> there is Oh, and there is a child, a small child eating a sandwich made with something called white bread. It's like bread that they've extracted the brown from. <laughs> oh, there's some teenagers with with a car. They seem to have modified it and put some, put a big speaker in the back. That's incredible. They must have spent all the their good, money on that. The, the good thing about this children... Perhaps they stole it to can, get the money. We, you, 
you can be exposed to these sorts of people without ever actually having to come into physical contact with them or converse with them directly. It's unlikely you'd be able to comprehend their colloquial dialect in any case. But I do like for you to know that we live in a rich, multicultural society. And the way in which I immerse you in that is to take you to a gallery to look at pictures of people who aren't like us. 19 quid. 19 quid. There's 19 quid. Now, oh... Can we go to the shop now? Yeah, if you go to the gallery shop, you can buy little pencil erasers that are in the shape of some of the characters in his photographs, like a fat man with a red nose, <laughs> some some the the the, the rough looking teenagers in their souped up hatchback, the old woman licking an ice cream. Oh, it's great! A forty five year old man, forty five year old man in an overly tight Frankie Goes to Hollywood t shirt. That he's had for 35 <laughs> years. <laughs> you can get top trumps. You can get Martin Parr top trumps now as well. <laughs> the categories that you play now. Fatness, <laughs> ghastliness, <laughs> gluttony, <Illnesses>. and depression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and the kids take that home and play with each other for hours. Hey, God. 19 quid. 19 quid a ticket. Get yourself along. Anyway... <laughs> Where were we? Yeah, Kevin Keegan arrived back at Newcastle. Um, hundreds of fans converged on the Gosforth Park Hotel for my first press conference. <laughs> they gathered on the grassy verges, peering through the windows, peeking from behind curtains and running down the corridors. <laughs> like, Why were they peeking? I don't know. They was, like elves. They, were they scared? I don't know. Maybe they couldn't <gasps> believe what was happening. Is it true? Is it Pe- real? Just, just peek. Don't pull the curtain <laughs> right back. If you look upon Kevin Keegan with both eyes, you're blinded. It's like explode. an eclipse. Yeah. Have a little look. Just have a little look, then come back, then it's my turn. Running down the <laughs> corridors like fucking elves. Um, it was a special moment for me, he says, when I felt one of those Newcastle shirts against my skin for the first time. Ooh, does it feel different to a Southampton <laughs> shirt somehow? Sexier. Maybe it does. Because he talks about... Um, his dad, of course, was a Geordie originally, so there was that there was that connection. Um, no one, not everyone, could understand why the England captain would contemplate dropping into the second division. And there were plenty of people who wanted to know if I'd lost the plot. <laughs> hello, <laughs> hello, hello, Kevin. It's Ron Greenwood. Have you lost the fucking plot? What's going on? Hello, hello, Kevin. Yes, it's John Pigface from the Sun here. <laughs> Yeah, chief sports writer, you know. Um, I was the one spreading it that you might be a bender, right? But anyway, <laughs> that's all in the past now. What what our readers want to know is, have you gone cuckoo in the knot signing for Newcastle? Hi, John. Nice to hear from you. My answer is no. I've still got my marbles for now. All the best. KK. <laughs> Why are you saying that? We're on the phone. You don't have to sign off like it were a letter. <laughs> all right that's fine kev thanks for the exclusive quote i'll write that up for my column tomorrow just so you know i'll be saying that you've admitted you are clinically insane <laughs> you know it's just a tweak i mean you know what it's like you have to give the readers what they want we're trying to sell right, papers here yeah you write what you feel is best john <laughs> you're clearly love, a professional love to the wife <laughs> love to the wife ta <laughs> Yours sincerely, Kevin Keegan Esquire. I've told Stop you, Kevin. Stop doing that, Kev. <laughs>
<laughs> Kevin Keegan, OBE. You're not an OBE. <laughs> That's your opinion. <laughs> Strictly speaking, he says Doncaster was my home, but Newcastle had been part of my life for as long as I can remember. It Bullshit. was a Geordie. Yeah, it was a Geordie. My uncle Frank gave me my first ball. I had been told this is from a clat- clatching at straws. This yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I did it for the money. <laughs> I mean, I did- this kind of it's basically like me. You know, like my grandfather, my paternal grandfather was Irish, right? Um, it's me misting up over the Ooh. troubles. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Because yeah. of the fact that one of my grandparents was from Northern Ireland and was a Catholic. It's ba- but actually, this is even more tenuous than that. Mm. Because this is not even... This is like his uncle was a Geordie. He gave him a football shirt. That's it. That is tenuous, mate. All this Geordie nation. I've got Geordie... I may have been from Donny, but uh, Geordie... If you, if you cut me, I bled black and white stripes. Bollocks, mate. I did it. I did it for you two reasons. There. I did it for two reasons. One, the money. Two, to carry on being the biggest fish in the pond. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and three, I had it written into my contract that when I retired, they'd arrange for a helicopter to come and take me off the pitch. <laughs> I made that a stipulation for every club who were interested, and Newcastle were the only ones daft enough to agree to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at average attendances before Keegan came. Um, oh late seventies, it was around about thirty, thirty-two thousand, and then uh, nineteen. 19- 81, 16,000, 1982, 17,200, and then 83 when Keegan arrived. Bing! 24,000, and then 29,000. Mm. So, yeah, you know, it wasn't the hotbed that everyone talks about. Um, yeah, he's, he's waxing lyrical quite a bit about Newcastle, and uh, he, he kind of says he almost wished Newcastle had won the FA Cup that time. They beat Liverpool, beat them 3-0. Um, what? Nah, it doesn't really. The entire week in Newcastle was shaped around three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. The entire week, everything was shaped around this. The fans got behind the team. They queued for two hours all, all before kick-off. All I care kick-off. about, right, is Saturday and the football, right? I don't care about my wife. I don't care about my kids. I don't care about my job. I don't care about now, other than seeing them lads in the fucking black and white coming out onto that pitch. <laughs> Everything's Alex, about that. I mean... You're, I don't obviously go anymore because only 17,000 go along and I can't really be asked because we'll keep losing. But, you know, it's what it's all about. <laughs> uh, they queued for two hours before kickoff. They didn't. And when the players left the ground two hours later, they were still there waiting for the chance to see their heroes. They weren't. I mean, they might have been when Keegan was there. But... Somewhere. But that's, you know, again, go to fucking Colchester United and there'll be some kids waiting behind for two hours to catch <laughs> yeah, exactly. them to their best play. That's just the way it is. I think at Colchester United, the, the the fans turn up, the club pay them to go in and then the fans stand there yeah. with their backs turned to the match because they just don't care. They don't they, care like Newcastle fans do. And that's how it is at most teams. When I played for Liverpool or Hamburg, it was the same. They didn't bother turning up two hours to queue. They just turned up some of them a minute before kickoff, <laughs> And then after the game, some of them left early. He says, everywhere I'd been, the fans had embraced me, but at Newcastle, it was something out of the ordinary. I'd never experienced that kind of deification before. No man could have been made more welcome. In fact, in the two years I was in Newcastle, my feet never touched the ground because I was chaired around on their shoulders continuously (laughs) everywhere I went. I'd get out of the car at the car park and there'd be six fans there. Up on, Kev, they'd say. And they'd carry me on their shoulders all the way to training. 
don't sully the soles of your beautiful Italian leather shoes <laughs> on the uh, on the pavement. The, the disgusting pavement, harsh covered Geordie in, ground. Co- the harsh Geordie ground covered in vomit and fagins. We won't have it. Climb aboard. <laughs> Um, when I scored on my debut, I did something I'd never done before and threw myself into the Gallagher end to show I was one of them. It was pure instinct, completely off the cuff, and it took a while before I managed to prize myself free. I didn't want to come out, I told the press later. I just wanted to stay there forever. You imagine that Kevin Keegan spending the rest of his life in the Gallagher end and among in a crowd. Continue. All of his needs being met. Some of them. I just st- wanted to immerse myself amongst all of those bodies. Do what you want to me, I shouted. Stroke me, kiss me, touch me, beat me. I don't care. Tear me limb from limb. It's how I want to go. At that point, some of them got a bit creeped out and just left me lying there on the floor and backed away. <laughs> I left it to the Gallagher crowd. They're going wild. Where were you cunts last season when we finished ninth, I shouted. Oh, it didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he said there was 36,000 inside St. James's for our game against QPR that day. And uh, Newcastle had attracted a crowd of 10,670 against the same opponents four months earlier and lost 4-0. 36,000? Jesus. But then the average attendance for that season was only 24. So, so a lot of them were just... So there was 12,000 who'd turn up for a big game. Yeah. So the, <laughs> this is not as if they all turned up every week for all the matches. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can be accused of being slightly poisonous here as a Sunderland fan, but you know, I, we, yeah, I mean, we're giving we're giving Newcastle a, a big kick in on this episode. Yeah, we are. Uh, but I mean, you know, my bigger problem is Keegan's sort of Newcastle, whatever. But Keegan is really ramping this up, and I don't buy it entirely. I'm, I don't doubt that he did fall in love with Newcastle, especially when he went back and was so successful as a manager. I don't yeah. doubt that, but all this saying I turned up there in the first place because I knew it was this hotbed of football and I felt like an honorary Geordie. Don't believe that. Well, I mean, he, he was box office. He was the biggest player in the country. It was, like you say, it was like Rooney. Or even if yeah. Beckham had gone, you know, dropped down the league. For late and Orient. Yeah. Um, the atmosphere felt more like a cup final than a league match, he said. Uh, all I could think as I ran out that day was, you can't let them down. My goal was the winner. It felt amazing how I kept finding fairy tales. You know, usually usually orchestrated quite cynically by himself, but you know. Bless hey, him. Double K. We could that's quite a good title for the for the book. Finding fairy tales. I like Kevin Keegan. And we could portray me on the front like one of them little fairies that flew around in uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> and then uh, he doesn't really talk much about the actual two years he spent as a player. He then cuts to my two years as a Newcastle player culminated in a promotion of the top division and that was the perfect way for me to say my goodbyes and retire from professional football. And everyone remembers that final dramatic scene when a white helicopter landed on the centre circle to whiz me away. (laughs) (laughs) I clambered on board and I said to the driver, whiz me away! My fairy tale has come to an end. Driver, driver, set controls to whiz. (laughs) <laughs> um, we, we don't actually have that it's not how helicopters work Kevin hey I'm paying it'll work how I say <laughs> now set it to whiz and take me to the party that I've pre-arranged at a country club up the road <laughs> when none of the fans are invited 
I wanted uh, to piss on them as I flew away. <laughs> I, I didn't I rem- understand I why, but I did. Penis. I, I removed my penis and attempted to piss on all of the fans from below, shouting, have that, you fucking mugs. But I was discouraged from doing so by our Jean, who had somehow got on the heli, stowed away on the helicopter with me. Put it away, Kevin. Why you, Why do you want to piss on them? I don't know, Jean. They're just rich with irony somehow. I just felt guess- compelled to... It's been my dream ever since I signed for this club. <laughs> I don't know, Gene. I guess I'm just trying to seek out yet another fairy tale. <laughs> I don't think you're going to find one here, said Gene. Perhaps you're right, I said. And I put my willy away. <laughs> Quick shout at Gene to the driver. Put it on double whiz. Get out of here. <laughs> He's going to piss on them. They worship him like a god. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to smite them like a vengeful dog. <laughs> Jalapeño. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jalapeño. Uh, he says there was never a single moment when I regretted choosing Newcastle ahead of some of the other clubs. Manchester United, for one, who were trying to lure me away from Southampton. By the way, if yeah, you I, don't mind. Yeah, I could have gone to one of the bigger clubs. I could have gone to Manchester United. I wouldn't have gone back to Liverpool, obviously, but I could have gone to Manchester United. Um, it did, however, come as a significant cost to my England career if I was correct to presume my new status as a second division player was the overriding reason why I was never selected for the national team again. Um... And he talks about Bobby Robson, uh, who obviously dropped him. Mm-hmm. What upset me more than anything was the way I heard about it. Bobby had taken over as England manager from Ron Greenwood, and I wasn't naive. When I moved to Newcastle, I was fully aware it might not count in my favour to be playing for a team outside the top division. I knew it was a gamble. Bobby was fully entitled to look at different options. I would never have been so arrogant as to presume my tish- my- assume my position was watertight. With that in mind, I did briefly fear the worst after the match against QPR when I was told Bobby had been in the crowd and wanted to meet me for a chat in Arthur Cox's office. Yet the man I encountered that day could hardly have been more effusive. Bobby was a Geordie, devoted to his home team, hometown team, and he was bubbling with enthusiasm about how we had played, telling me how happy he was that I joined the club, and it was not just marvellous for me, but for everybody in the city. That sounds mm-hmm. good, doesn't it? But yeah. it doesn't end well. <laughs> he and left by the way, the words. you dropped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but why? Well, well you know, what, what do you expect? You're playing for this shit, shit club. <laughs> but you just said, yeah, I know. But I mean, come on. <laughs> 
second division. You've just played fucking QPR for fuck's sake. You might as well be playing with some kids in the street. <laughs> I'm the England boss now. <laughs> We're not playing games, man. This is a joke. Anyone. I can pick anyone. I'm like, God, I'm not going to pick some twat from second division, am I? I can pick Trevor Francis. I can pick fucking Tony Woodcock. <laughs> and Bobby left him with the words, I'll see you in a few weeks. His first England game was coming up against Denmark and straight away I felt the connection. England-wise, it felt like a marriage made in heaven. What happened next will always be shrouded in mystery and it was the way he handled it that shocked me. I had to learn from the press that I'd been dumped and it seemed incredible after everything Bobby had said to me that he never thought it would be the decent thing to pick up the telephone to explain. Oh, Hello. Hello, is that Kevin? <laughs> yes, double K service. Yes, John Pigface from the Sun. <laughs> Oh, hello, John. Did you read that piece where I said that you said you'd gone mad? <laughs> yes, I did. Thank you very much. It's very well I written. Thought it, I thought it was a fair appraisal of the situation, other than the fact that you completely changed all the facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens anyway, sometimes. Yeah, it's the sub-editors. They do it for space reasons, you know. <laughs> anyway, just call in to say, you know England, yeah, you've been dropped. Bye. <laughs> Bobby Robson Bobby asked me said, to tell you. Bobby told me to tell you because he's right busy at the moment and hasn't got the time. <laughs> he says, it's something about you playing for a shit team in a shit league. Anyway, all the best. Bye. <laughs> uh, time is a great healer, he says, and it goes without saying. I wish I'd ne- it had never been that way. Bobby was so cherished in his time as Newcastle manager from 1999 to 2004, when he was sacked, that he is now immortalised with a statue outside the ground. Yet I felt immensely let down when, let's face it, I wasn't a player on the fringes of the squad who had picked up a handful of caps. I'd finished the previous season with Southampton as the leading scorer in the country. I had 63 caps for England and I was a two-time European Footballer of the Year, in case you hadn't fucking forgotten. Was it asking too much to think a player in that position should be shown a little courtesy? Was it so unreasonable to think I deserved better? And then he goes on and on and on about it for about a page and a half. Um, blah, 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 blah. More about Bobby. He, every every club he's left, there has been a little bit of bitterness, hasn't there? But I yeah. suppose, in some ways, he's just very honest in this book because I suppose you might read other books where, play, where players go, well, I left, I always appreciate my time there hmm. and I've got no problems at all with them. You know, I wish that club all best. And maybe they're just being... Maybe they're just bullshitting. And maybe Kevin's yeah. just sort of gone... Listen, this is my book, and I'm going to fucking tell it like it is. I'm going to get it all off my chest. Because yeah. there's always something. When you leave any job, there's always something. There's usually something that bothers you a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, so he's, he's, he's wanging on about Bobby Robson, and um, if he'd asked me to keep the news to myself, I would have respected his wishes. If he'd afforded me a bit of respect, there would never have been a huge issue. Instead, he had the opportunity to tell me to my face and he didn't have the guts to go through with it. That stung. I felt betrayed, hurt and humiliated. And I didn't hold back when the press asked what I thought of it. I told them I was finished with England and had never been treated so shabbily in my entire career. Surely Bobby Robson could have phoned me, I said. After being involved in the international setup for 10 years, surely I'm worth a 10 pence phone call. I suggested Bobby Robson was doing his, his work from a phone box outside the F8 Lancaster Gate. Putting yeah. 10 pence in the phone every time you had to make a phone call. Unless they had one of them boxes, you know, where you, people used to have, if you want to make a phone call in someone's house, you had to put 10 pence in the box. 
oh, contribute towards hell. the bill. We used to do that. Yeah, did you? I don't think we did, but other people did. Yeah. Different times. So, um, yeah, and then he goes on and on about Bobby had said, Kevin Keegan is part of my plans when he got the job. I found it very difficult to forgive him, and after the deed was done, it could be awkward whenever we bumped into each other. Little was said. There was never any explanation because the time had gone. All I was left with were assumptions and hearsay. Maybe Bobby Robson just wasn't interested in talking to him. Maybe he thought he was a prick. You know. Yeah, just, or maybe he just had other things to do. I mean, you know, you've got to always think England that. Manager, yeah. People aren't always ignoring you. If you don't hear from them when you want to hear from them, that's just you wanting to control everything. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes people are not thinking actively, I'm going to ignore or neglect that person. They've yeah. just got other things going on. You might be in a text exchange with someone or a WhatsApp exchange mm. and you send them a message and it's going back and forth quite nicely and then suddenly they just stop. Yeah. You've seen the blue ticks, but they stop. Yeah. And people will sit around thinking, what the, what's their me? fucking problem? Why did they hit what me? Have what have I done? Have I, yeah. have I said something to annoy them? But I'm telling you, you haven't. It's yeah. just you're not picturing them at what they're doing at the time. The kids might be on at them. You yeah. know, they might be at work. Anything the could have happened. They could have electrocuted themselves. Yeah, exactly. They might have been half texting you whilst doing some toast and they're not paying quite enough attention to either. And then they've accidentally put a fork in the toaster and fried themselves, right? Yeah. You just don't know what is going on. And then and you text so you them, can... and you text them, and you text them again and again. Why are you not talking to me? What have I done wrong? Have, have I upset yeah. you? Do you not love me anymore? And and then they just cut off all contact forever. Remember last summer when I had that humiliating experience with a recruiter for uh, um, about a, a job? <laughs> yeah, and they and they didn't get back. And I sent them an email, <laughs> yeah. and they didn't respond. And I I went into a weird frenzy and started sending message upon message through every avenue, including at one point Facebook. Yeah, and in the end, they finally got back to me as if to politely say, "Sam, we've got your messages, but." you know, back off a bit because we've got other shit going on, but yeah. we will get back to you when we can. You're a bit weird. Yeah. They didn't say it like that, but that was the subtext. They were did, very did, polite. Did they get back and to I, you at the end? No, well, what happened mm. was the, the end of the story. I remember telling you this when we were on talk radio and you were quite damning at the time, <laughs> but you were right. You were very... Uh, I. In the end, after he'd finally called and settled, yeah, I have got your messages. I apologise for not getting back to you, but we'll sort it over the weekend. I was very happy with that. But then I went to put my son to bed all happy and suddenly I felt my phone making a noise in my pocket and I'd accidentally pocket dialed the guy who had just sent me a message saying, it's cool, we're all done, have a great weekend, speak to you next week. And then, as far as he was concerned, I'd followed that up immediately with a phone call at seven <laughs> a, o'clock on a, a Friday. Night call. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I didn't end up getting that particular position. Yeah. And um, you know, it's just an example of what Keegan was going through. You shouldn't always obsess over someone. Someone isn't ignoring you. They've just got other shit to do. Yeah. But possibly in this case, Bobby Robson was very definitely ignoring him. Because he just didn't, yeah. he wasn't in his plan, so why should he bother speaking to him? But, yeah, um, what did he want? Like it's like you don't split up with someone and then carry on going round to see them once a week to see how they are yeah. and hint to them that you might be up for getting back together because that's just cruel. Well, it's time for the, it's time for the England team to move on in 1982, isn't it? That was it. What Kevin had said. 
<clears throat> Kevin had said I was finished with England. I'd never been treated so shabbily in my entire career. Oh. <clears throat> so there we go. Um, I never talked to Bobby about it, and I will never know why almost overnight I went from being captain to being jettisoned from the entire squad. Our only conversations tended to be a brief hello, and that was it. I never knew Bobby properly, and it always felt very unsatisfactory. There was such a distance between two football men who cared passionately for Newcastle and probably had a lot in common. Well, you should have just mm. said. You know, you should have asked him. Look, Bobby, why did you do what you did, and why did you do it like you Bobby, did? Bobby, you, you seem like a nice bloke, but one thing doesn't add up. <clears throat> why did you jettison me yeah. from the England team without any explanation? Yeah, I need to know. Then we can move on. As two good football men, we can perhaps take <laughs> our wives <laughs> to Carvery. God, yeah, um, exactly. And yeah. And just have a nice bank holiday just, out just like, together one just, time. You know, get together with the McMenemies as well, because they're a lovely couple. Yeah. You know, bring and, them into the social circle. And they're also circle. from the North East. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, I have to be honest to say the... F- Pint of prawns. <laughs> Pint of prawns. Sorry. The, fr- the yeah. friendliest I've ever known Bobby was in the meeting when he told me he was looking forward to working with me, then dropped me like a hot stone. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a what would you say like a hot stone when has anyone ever hot held and dropped a hot stone <laughs> i have back in back in doncaster I used to do it all the time with character we building kids used to heat stones up all the time as a prank <laughs> he says uh i was determined to demonstrate i was still the best player in my position in the country i set out to use the snub as a form of motivation and when we played rotherham shortly afterwards in a game shown a match of the day it was the perfect opportunity yeah but kev rotherham fucking rotherham do you know what i mean you're not going to demonstrate anything to anyone this is the point that bobby's this trying is to make. literally the perfect opportunity i couldn't have dreamt of anything better <laughs> To show people why I would still be the best England striker there is. <laughs> and then he goes up to say, I was marked that day by Emlyn Hughes. My former Liverpool teammate had become Rotherham's player manager. Again, Roth- Rotherham, Emlyn Hughes, well past his best, now operating as a player manager. <laughs> a creaking with Emlyn Hughes, who was, who was distracted by contract talks over joining Question of Sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says, at one point, I even suggested that my old pal, he substitute himself to spare any more embarrassment. I scored four in a 5-1 trouncing against Rotherham, Kevin. It was against <laughs> fucking Rotherham. If that doesn't qualify me to play for England, I don't know what will. <laughs> I am not sure I have ever played better. Kevin, it was against frigging Rotherham, man. <laughs> for fuck's sake, of course you've played better. You've played in European Cup finals. <laughs> FA Cup finals you've won the league you've won the Bundesliga in my opinion in my opinion I should have won my third European footballer of the year right there and then just for that single performance against Rotherham <laughs> the crowd was singing are you watching Bobby Robson I appreciated their support but I was far less impressed when I found out Bobby Robson had been spat at and verbally abused on his next visit to St James's Park Ooh. oh but still, never mind. I suppose that's what you get if you disrespect Double <laughs> yeah, K. He says, it shows how strongly people felt about it, but he did not deserve that treatment. He did deserve that treatment, readers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear Bobby, have you been gobbed on by the Geordie Fatal? <laughs> I think that's disgusting, and I distance myself <laughs> from their actions. Why are you laughing, Kevin? I'm not. I just had something in my eye. <laughs> At least I've been man enough to speak about it, though. Unlike Bobby when he dropped me. 
So, oh dear, Bobby, what's that all over your face? Is it Georgie saliva? How did that happen? <laughs> what could have caused? Perhaps that? you think twice next time before dropping me from the England team, <laughs> dropping me like a hot stone. Ah. Uh. Good times. Right, we'll leave it there because uh, he's about to start talking about Arthur Cox and that could go on a while. So uh, that's it from this episode of the Keegan Odyssey. I hope they've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I think you enjoyed who it, cares? Sam. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like but fucking... ultimately, who cares? It's like tomorrow's fish and chip paper, isn't it? We just knock these out every day. No one goes back and listens to them. Why would you? All right. Yeah, one day they might... F- future civilizations might unearth them and try to piece together what was happening in the final days, the final moments yeah. of whatever our civilization will be called. You think you this could I mean? be a and social they might history? Find this. They might find it. It might be their only clues. Yeah. Alternately, it might not be. It depends if they've subscribed or not. They won't get everything unless they've subscribed. If you are a, if you are a member of a, let's say, a Klingon civilization <laughs> who have come back to the remains found the remains of planet earth floating in space um uh, a millennial from now and you're trying to work out what went wrong mm. then um i just hope that you can also find the patreon files as well yeah. because you'll need those to really make to, to complete the jigsaw yeah. and discover what we are all about just go on just go on to patreon, a patreon and, and hand over your uh, klingon money in order to access them. Your, it's very your important. fucking blip blaps or whatever they are. <laughs> you never know. You never know. The Klingons might be they might have intercepted our internet wherever the fuck they are and they might be listening already and using this as preparation for their invasion. Oh, oh this top like time machine <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> I like bit they do about Kevin Keegan. <laughs> And their funny powder. We must colonize their earth immediately. <laughs> we must we must hold back from invasion while they are providing this top notch entertainment. Once the episodes <laughs> dry up, we will then move in and take over. If we are invaded by aliens mm. or it kicks off against the Chinese or Russians yeah. sometime soon, do you see you and I and our output here on Top Light Time Machine as very much the kind of virulins of our generation? I think so, yeah. We'll be keeping the morale and the spirits yeah, up of the country definitely, with, yeah. with our deep dives into 70s footballers' biographies. Kind of like the opposite of Lord Haw Haw from the Second World War, who went and yeah. fucking propagandised against the, the British. Yeah, we're the opposite of that. We're, we're definitely a force for good. Have you ever, just lastly, I'll just leave you with one thing for the canters if they want to uh, have a laugh uh, this Easter. Oh, it's gone Easter now by the time they're listening to this. If you ever come across the video, it's pretty old, Indiana Bones on YouTube. I ain't seen that. Where they they recreate Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, but using um, puppies. Right. Um, in like <laughs> They've got a puppy with a Indiana Jones hat on, yeah. and they've built an entire set for him and recreated really, like, frame for frame, famous scenes from Raiders of the Lost right. Ark. So, like, he's running through that fucking cave with the big ball chasing him and all of that stuff, right? It's brilliant. It's like meticulous the way they've got this this right. puppy to do it. I'm on the way back from West Ham, um, Leicester at the weekend with my son. And, you know, I've said, have a look at this. 
and he's watching it and obviously he's finding it quite funny and we're on a crowded train. And then it cuts to the bit where, I don't know if you remember in the film, the Nazis have got the Ark in the back of a truck and they're driving it somewhere mm. and Indy sort of jumps on the truck, takes out the driver and steals it. And um, the Nazi is just wearing one of those little Nazi hats, caps that they have. But in Indiana Bones, they've got this truck and it's going through a desert and it's, but in it, They've got a fucking kitten, right? So the kit, and he went, my son's gone really loudly. No one knows what he's watching on the train. You just hear my son going, hang on, that's a kitten. Why is a kitten in it? I thought this was dogs. And I said, the kittens are playing that. And before I could get it out, he just shouted really loudly, the kittens are playing the Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like laughing his head off and saying it over and over again. The kittens are the Nazis. The kittens are the Nazis. Got some funny looks, but if you'd like to see some kittens playing Nazis, then look up Indiana, Indiana Bones, Bones on YouTube. We'll, we'll tweet that out as well. Mm. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back with another one soon. Ta-da. See ya. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.